0: From the dance floor at Jackrabbit Slims, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two guys who love to bring out the gimp, if you know what I mean, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh yeah, we love a good Pulp, good pulp Fiction reference. Corey, who sent that in? That was written by Mario. Don't call me Mario Lopez Mendez. <laughs> God, that Mario Lopez, that guy. I,
1: I I don't know who keeps hiring him, but that guy gets so much you, work.
0: Is it but not not the listener that just
1: no Mario Lopez.
0: Yeah, you're the, on TV. The Mario Lopez. Yes, yeah, that yeah.
1: I mean, is he, this was Mario
0: Mendez? No, I get that. Yeah. Okay, but you
1: mentioned Mario Lopez. Well, or, uh, Corey, Corey did. Corey mentioned Mario yeah. Lopez. And I'm like, honestly, is he that? Yeah. But, like isn't he on like uh extra or one yeah. of those stupid shows? Yeah, and...
0: yeah he's a, you know he's a, he's a good-looking hunky guy and he like... he he gives good uh stand up. I guess. Yeah.
1: What do I know? Anyway, thank you Corey.
0: Absolutely, and thank you Mario. Um so uh a lot a of, lot of interesting stuff today, a little bit of overflow from last week and we're getting into award season, so we are uh we are, in theory, starting to get inundated with screeners and screening invitations, but I, I haven't really taken the dive yet. Have you?
1: Oh, Lord, no. In fact, those are the three. You can see them right there. Uh, no, there's two. Yes. Well, no, there's three. I think I threw one away.
0: And they're all Booker's Place.
1: Well, we got Booker's Place, whatever that is, twice. And then we got something. Uh, it was like a nice movie about nice people who changed the world, threw it away.
0: Yeah. The only true.
1: thing I got that I really wanted, which I asked for, yeah, is the Central Park Five.
0: Which which I I have and I'm dying to watch. Yes. Yeah.
1: Central Park Five.
0: But uh, yeah, I have a. I, I'm feeling like pressed, like we always are at this time of year, don't you? It's. I mean, we have literally. If, if you're
1: pressed now, what do you think is going to happen around Thanksgiving?
0: It's it's ridiculous. It I insane. never I never enjoy Thanksgiving weekend. It's all. It's I don't just, either. It's, it's just movie watching.
1: And I'll be in New York the whole week of Thanksgiving, which means that I'm going to have to do what I've done before, what you've done before.
0: Bring screeners along,
1: which is either bring screeners along watch or... watch on the plane. Or go to screenings in New York.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Going to screenings in New York is a joy. It really is. It's such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. Because all the screening rooms in New York, I mean, it, this is why I'm, I'm envious of New York film critics. Because every screening room in New York, every major screening room is within a 10-minute walk. It's within a 10-minute radius. They're all kind of around Broadway and 49th. In the I mean, it, Times Square area. In Times Square area. I mean, they're all right there, and there's and there and there are literally five of them within a block and a half of each other. It's incredible. I mean, the Magno screening rooms, and then the Broadway screening room. They're all right there. They're all beautifully clustered. And when we were uh, when we were in New York for that month, uh, geez, whatever it what, was, what, seven years ago. Um, I mean, it was amazing because we I was at the Time Hotel. And half of my screenings were at the Broadway Screening Room, which was across 49th Street. The, the time is on 49th Street right off of Broadway. I would literally roll out of bed, um, just wouldn't even shower, wouldn't shave, nothing. Roll out of bed, just put shoes and a robe on, slippers and a robe, take the elevator down, walk across the street, go up, look like I just rolled out of bed, which I did. Walk into the Broadway Screening Room up on like the seventh floor, literally three minutes from bed to seat. Movie watch? done walk back across the street in my robe and uh, go back to bed it was a beautiful thing I'm envious of New York film critics
1: but that's the great thing about New York too is that you look at a building and the building is you know it's 12 stories high and it's it's half a city block there could be on like on on any random floor of that building there could be Meth lab, <laughs> sneaker store, gigantic state-of-the-art screening room. You just don't know because it's New York. That's true. It doesn't give any of its secrets until you go into the building. That's true. That's, why That's we a love beautiful New York. thing. We do. By the way, uh, uh, you know what's not a beautiful thing? What's not? What's Walter not? Gass. Walter Gass hates us. Why? Because he sent us an email.
0: Uh, and okay. I'm going to read that
1: email to okay, you. Go ahead and read because it. Because he has a comment to make. Make the comment. And, I, and by the way, I'm going to uh, <laughs> read his comment and then I will ignore his comment because uh you'll uh you will hear or taste why within moments okay walter says okay so all the food talk at the beginning has been amusing mark bringing out his massive insecurity for all the listeners to see is also amusing slash sad but now we're getting food talk at the beginning and then again in the middle slash end can we have the food segment contained at least I've given up on the idea that Mark will stop with the cooking talk. His need for acceptance and gratification is clearly too powerful. But let's please not sprinkle it throughout the show. Because he, my feeling is he wants to skip. He'll he'll hear food, skip on his iPod a couple minutes and hope it's gone. But it's not. (laughs) I'm so happy you made great Pop-Tarts. Yay for you. And I did. And I still have one left. But I... Can't try them or see them. So listening to Wade eat them is not as thrilling as you might think. Now, here's the thing. Now, Walter comes up with a good point. We should discuss this. Maybe if you blogged a picture of the recipe of these things, make it more interactive for the listeners.
0: That would be a good Facebook post. Well,
1: here's the thing. What? Uh, well, there really was no recipe for the uh, no. Pop-Tarts. No. Um, should we, and we can throw it up to the listeners, if, when I give Wade something to eat, of course, I've done this 10 times now, so it's, kind of, it's too late to make it new. Mm-hmm. I could, as he is eating it in real time, take a picture mm-hmm. and put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, you could. Should I do that? Yeah, why not? Really?
0: Sure, why so not? So
1: I'm going to give you something right now. Sure. This moment. And I'm going to take out my, uh, my iPhone. I'll take a picture.
0: That's fine. While I'm I sure. start, I'm going, to, I'm going to roll through some classic movies.
1: Well, hang on. First of all, we are going to start doing this uh, now. Thanks yeah. to Walter Gas. Thank you very much, Walter. So what's going to happen is... Wade will talk about probably some DVD you'll never buy, uh, whereas I'm going to go get his treat for the day, with a spoon. You do that, and I'll whip out the iPhone and I'll take a picture of you. You do that. Did. You go, whip and then that we'll out. see if anybody cares. Uh,
0: well, as, as it would have it, uh, I'm going to talk about movies that you have to buy. And uh, Mark's all jealous now. You know, the, uh, the big Universal Hitchcock set is coming out soon, and uh, we are very excited about it. But there are other Hitchcock titles that are not part of the Universal library, and they are also making their way to Blu-ray. And two of them uh, we are going to rave about. Well, I'm going I'm to rave about them right now. Uh one is uh Strangers on a Train. These are both from Warner Brothers and Warner has a few Hitchcock titles and uh the first one Strangers on a Train is just one of the most incomparable Hitchcock films ever made. Uh if you if you haven't seen Strangers on a Train, you have sorely sorely missed out. Uh stars Farley Granger and Robert Walker as two guys who meet on a train. And uh, become embroiled in a very strange kind of a crisscrossing blackmail murder plot that is uh, just so diabolically well written. Brilliant, brilliant screenplay by Raymond Chandler and uh, Chenzi Ormond. Uh, you know Chenzi Ormond gets overshadowed by Raymond Chandler there, obviously. But you know what? It is a great screenplay and so well done uh, all throughout. 1951 Hitchcock film, really Hitchcock at his very, very best. This is a brilliant, brilliant movie. The Blu-ray is perfect, absolutely spectacularly perfect. Um, a little bit less perfect is Dial M for Murder 3D. Now this uh, this is an interesting i got to say, I, I, here's the thing. Hitchcock originally, if, as long as we're in the 3D era, we need to go back a little bit and, and spin out a little bit of history here. Hitchcock originally made Dial M for Murder in, in, to be a 3D movie. It was shot for the express purpose of being released in 3D. Hitchcock was one of those guys who, like you know, Cameron today and, and Peter Jackson, he always wanted to kind of experiment with uh, whatever the newest technology was. And he decided at a certain point that the film should not be released in 3D. He just decided he didn't like 3D. He didn't like the effect, and for whatever reason, so he backed off of it. Uh, but when you watch the movie, you can still tell that a lot of it was intended to originally be dimensional, that it was shot to to have a, kind of a, the effect of dimensionality. But no one actually ever saw it in 3D. Well, what they've done, and I don't know that this is necessarily a good idea, but it's, it's certainly interesting. They have, uh, they've completely restored and remastered the film for Blu-ray 3D, and it comes with glasses. Um, although the thing is, I have no way of knowing, and I don't think anyone does, uh, that the way that they have created the 3D here is exactly what would have been the 3D effect that Hitchcock intended. Because you can do 3D a lot of different ways. You can, you know, you can select what things you want to have what level of dimensionality in the frame. And um, there's no guarantee that what we're seeing here is Hitchcock's 3D vision. If you watch the film flat without the 3D, it certainly is. But uh, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit bothered by the fact that they went and and, uh, and did 3D after the fact, just kind of to capitalize on the historical legacy of the film. So, um, Mark, I don't know how you feel about that, but. Uh well, I'm, I'm, I'm dodgy uh, about it.
1: I find it interesting that uh, he wanted it to be yeah. in 3D. Uh, when it comes to uh, whether I want to watch it in 3D, I do not, because as you say, you know, we really have no way to know what Hitchcock really intended. Yeah. So it winds up being the decision of who. Um,
0: you know what I mean? Like who? Who, some, who decides? Some guy. Some guy. And some so, guy. would you
1: rather have some guy decide uh, how the 3D is going to work? or Would you rather no. have Hitchcock do it?
0: I'd rather have Hitchcock. That's do it. right. Uh, as far as special features, uh, not much on either of these. You actually have two different versions on Strangers, uh, Strangers on a Train. Uh, the difference is like a couple of minutes. One is a preview version. one's a release version. Uh, and just watch the release version. The, the preview version, not that big of a deal. There's a Ross. lot of featurettes. Uh, a nice documentary on Hitchcock and Dial-Am on the uh, Dial-Am for Murder uh, DVD. Uh, Blu-ray, sorry, Blu-ray, and then trailers. So, I mean, they didn't really go to town on the extras, but the films themselves are, uh, you know, for Hitchcock completists, you got to have them, but if you're going to pick one Strangers on a Train, by far, oh, yeah. no well, question.
1: Wait a second, wait a second. Wait. I'm giving you your food for the day. Oh, jeez. Well, we'll do this quickly for Walter Gass. By the way, Walter Gass's name might come up constantly as we do this over the weeks. Unless people don't like it. People think it's lame, we'll stop doing it. But I'm going to take a picture of Wade All as right. he eats. Wade, this is chocolate pot de creme. I dare you, unless it's stale. Hang on. I dare you. Move the, move the, move the, move okay. Oh, my gosh. I'm taking a picture of Wade, literally, I kid you not, as he takes the bite of this uh, delicious pot de creme, which, by the way, is a pretty complicated uh, deal, but I think as you will find out. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, hang on. Let's just put the E.T. thing on.
0: Do I have to keep wearing the headphones? Huh? You, you want, you want you the whole, the whole effect. You would, I
1: want the whole effect.
0: You want the whole effect. People are going to realize how low-tech this show is. Wait, wait,
1: wait. I want to make sure the ET? is. Okay. Now, this is for real. Okay, this is for real. You know what? We're going to
0: lose every single listener. People are going to look at this and they're going to go, really? They might as well be having like cans with strings. We had
1: no listeners anyway. Okay, here we go. Okay. This is is for reals.
0: Okay. That's quite good. Thank you. That's really quite good. Mm. mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All right, Walter, we're done. I'm I'm going to email this to the Facebook page.
0: That's quite good. (laughs) Thank you. Chocolatey.
1: Oh, it's out of focus. But what are you going to
0: do? Uh, It is chocolatey. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) All right. And we also have a trio of films from the Paramount Library, courtesy of the wonderful Olive Films. Brilliant, wonderful, beautiful Olive Films. Who just finds these gems? I, I'm so glad that Olive is doing what they're doing because otherwise we might never get these films on Blu-ray. Um, Mark, check it out. Slender Thread. Have you ever seen Slender Thread? Sidney Pollack directed. Sterling Silliphant wrote it. This has some
1: serious pedigree.
0: This is a gem from the uh, wonderful year of 1965. Uh, Sidney Poitier in one of his uh, one of his very very best performances, and this is the first feature film ever directed by Sidney Pollack. I mean, what a prize! You're, you're Sydney Pollack. You get to direct your first film, and uh, who, who's in it? Nah, you know, kind of a no-name cast. Just Telly Sid- Savalas is in just it. Just Sidney Poitier and Anne Bancroft. With uh, oh yeah, Telly Savalas as well. But come on, Sydney Poitier and Anne Bancroft. I mean, you, you've nailed it. Uh, anyway, but the thing it, is
1: that it's it's kind of a uh, you gotta kind of explain it. Well, it's, it's about a, this like college volunteer works for like this crisis center, gets a phone call it's about a woman suicidal woman took some pills yeah. why she wants to die kind of gets into that and it's really interesting stuff it's, it's pretty it's actually you know, what, you know what it reminds me of
0: it, it's like a lumet film it in reminds many ways. me
1: of a lumet film and in terms of subject matter and how it hits it head on especially yeah. during that time yeah. it reminds me of an auto Premier film
0: very much so and and it also in many respects and this is where the sydney Lumet thing comes in it feels very much like the kind of stuff they used to do on television on those live television teledramas, playhouse 90s and all those kinds of things it's one. It's that type of hard-hitting, you know, '50s, '60s era uh, uh, social realist drama. Really good. A uh, very good film. Very nicely transferred. Uh, a real hit for uh, for Olive. And then we also have uh, a, a fascinating film, Uptight. If you've never heard of Uptight, um, Uptown Saturday Night. Uptight is kind of like a pre-black exploitation era film. It's not as influential as Sweet Sweetbacks, but it um because this is a Jules Dassin film you know this is like I love a, Jules I, Jules Dassin who's
1: uh, one of our favorites
0: t- absolutely this is a this is a legit studio film with a primarily black cast uh directed by Jules Dassin stars Raymond Saint-Jacques Ruby Dee Frank Silvera Roscoe Lee Brown um but it's um it, it it you can you can feel that there the you can sort of feel the whole era changing you know you can feel things changing for for black actors in terms of the subject matter uh, it's really interesting and it's uh, the most interesting thing is that it's um it's an updating of the 1935 John Ford film The Informer which took place in Ireland but here they switch the whole kind of um, IRA the political situation in Ireland versus England they switch it to kind of like a like a black militant story. You know the '60s and upheaval and race wars and so forth, all set in Cleveland. Well, I mean,
1: the, it's, the rumor is that Dassin Dassin wanted to make a straight remake of The Informer, yeah, which is weird because, like, you know, in 1968, at that point, Dassin's career, you know, this is years after Rafifi and uh, yeah. you know all, Naked City and yeah. all these other great films he'd done and Top Cappy. So this is kind of at the later, later third of his career. Yeah, it, it might actually be the last really good film he did.
0: It, it's it's really a terrific film, actually. I mean, I find it fascinating historically. And uh, I'd, I'd almost forgotten this film even existed. I mean, I saw this a long, long time ago. It's a, it's really a terrific film. Very, very nicely transferred to Blu-ray. Definitely deserves to be in anybody's library if they're a fan of the era. And also in the film, by the way, Max Julian, the Mac. bro, Mac. The, the Mac, Max Julian. He's the man. You know, I met Max Julian.
1: No, you Years ago at You're a uh, Blaxploitation
0: Film Festival You're Same place that. where I met uh, Rudy Ray Moore And that dude is just uh, That dude is ageless and filthy I just love Rudy Ray Moore That guy, before the, but they did a double feature Of Dolomite and the Human Tornado And before, as he introduced the movie He went and did like 45 minutes of material Walking up and down the aisles In the New Art Theater Literally just ripping people apart And, and getting the huge laughs It was unbelievable, it was a master at work Oh Rudy Ray I tell you. Anyway, and then a young and uh, pre crazy Liza Minnelli in Sterile Cuckoo, uh, directed by another brilliant director of the era and written by another legend of the era. Uh, Alan Pakula, produced and directed, uh, who sadly passed away some years ago in one of the most horrible accidents ever to take a whole life. And written by Alvin Sargent, Ordinary People. Uh, you know, so sterile. Uh, Co- Alvin Sargent, you mean the guy who wrote Spider Man? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who who keeps the life in the Spider Man series? By the way, uh, this is from 1969. Just on that turning point from the 60s to the 70s, and you really feel like all of these issues, these social issues, creeping into this film. It's just terrific. Um, it uh, this is and like the uh, the Pollock film. This is Alan Pakula's directing debut, and uh, I have to say I have an issue with Liza Minnelli's character here. It's uh, her name is Pookie. Don't particularly like the name Pookie, but uh, it is. Uh, this is really. Uh, it, it's it's really a very very good kind of low key um, r- romantic drama, and that uh, gets into a lot of these issues that sort of were plaguing the. Um, I, I guess it's a little bit like Rebel Without a Cause on some level, but it just feels a little more prescient. And uh, I think it's absolutely terrific. And this, by the way, is the film that uh, debuted the song come Saturday morning. So uh, all three of those are on Blu-ray. I think they are all first rate. And I'm so thrilled that these kind of obscure little classics are creeping out. We have the Alan Pakula directing debut, the uh, Sidney Pollock directing debut. I mean, uh, you know, Jules Dass and remaking John Ford and transplanting uh, the whole kind of IRA thing into, uh, you know, a race war area, Cleveland. Come on. It doesn't get better than that, does it? Well... If you want to
1: see movies like that today get made, you can't see them. The American studio system won't make those films today.
0: Yeah, I know, but it's – anyway.
1: But someday.
0: And then real quickly, uh, a double feature of Robert Conrad movies uh, from kind of the same general era. Uh, Not really that great. i got to tell you, Robert Conrad, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Loved his TV work. Not such a fan of his movie work. Loved him in uh, Wild Wild West and, uh, you know, Baba Black Sheep and Hawaiian Eye and – you know, just about every damn thing he ever did. He even did, uh, what was that? Oh, he did a couple of series that barely even lasted a season. One was uh, like a spy man from Uncle thing. And then there was another one where he was a boxer in Michigan or Chicago or some damn thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. this is a double feature of a Robert Conrad movie, Sudden Death and uh, Live, a Lot'll St- Live a Little Steal a Lot, also known as Murph the Surf. Uh, Robert Conrad was really kind of a cheesy... Um, M- movie actor, so I wouldn't uh, put too much into these. But if you are a big fan, uh, I guess you know, check them out. The sudden death was, it was a, is a late seventies film, kind of nudged in there between TV series. Not that great, um, but you know, whatever. It's there for those who care.
1: <laughs> it's there
0: for those who care. And while you talk about that, I'm going to eat a little more.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two collections uh, next. I like these TMC collections. I think they're they're really cool. But uh, first, we'll talk about um, one from the good folks at MGM and Fox. This is the Robert Mitchum collection. Now, Robert Mitchum, um, uh, he was one of the great tough guys of the 50s, 60s. I thought he was great. And by the way, what people don't realize is that Robert Mitchum, a very good singer, he actually came out with a couple albums, and uh, they're pretty good. They're a little bit country, so I'm not a big country. Seriously, fan. yeah, not a big country the fan. The only but... thing
0: I ever knew about Robert Mitchum was when I was growing up, my mother always used him as the cautionary tale about marijuana
1: because well, he, he was
0: because Mitchum was arrested for marijuana use at some point. There was like a pot party at his house, and the cops like busted it up and arrested them all. And that was the the, the cautionary tale. So don't use marijuana because Robert Mitchum went to jail for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. So there you go.
1: No, there was a Robert Mitchum album. Called like that, you know what? It's called That Man, Robert Mitchum, That Man. And I don't know when it came out, obviously, it came out while he was around. And uh, it's got some really cool songs, anyway. Whatever, no one cares about that. This DVD podcast, wait, wait, stop that, wait, be quiet. <laughs> um, anyway, we have uh, a bunch of um, movies actually, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Robert Mitchum movies on this the Robert Mitchum film collection DVD. Uh, not Blu ray, we have River of No Return with Marilyn Monroe. The Night of the Hunter, which, of course, is the that's the ultimate Robert Mitchum film, in my mind, and is already available on an amazing Criterion Blu-ray, Yep. Uh, so you may not need any of these if you already have Night of the Hunter. Heaven Knows Mr. Allison, also a good one, actually. The Enemy Below, another good one. Thunder Road, a great road thriller. That's a good one, too. The Hunters. Uh, the, the, it does have The Longest Day, which is great. Kind
0: of weird, but that's not really a Robert Mitchum
1: film. Not you know? really. It is, it's all about uh, D-Day, but still, it's a terrific film. And Man in the Middle, uh, What a Way to Go, and The Way West. Uh, so there are some good films here There are a bunch of clinkers But there are 10 And they can all be gems Because don't forget You know Robert Mitchum Was around during the studio days Oh yeah Where you would do like You know 30 films a year So they can all be gems
0: True But they, they all learned To work really hard uh, They did I mean you You oh, just learned your yeah, trade then, These, the, the act They learned to just do the job
1: I mean the directors During that era I mean they would literally Go from one film To the next They would not You know The studio would hire Like editors the directors would shoot it, the studio hired editors would sit and toil in a room and edit the film, and the director would have no say over, over the editing of it, because he'd be, already be on to the next film. You know how the uh, studio system worked, Wade. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: I don't, I know. Jesus Christ. Don't I know it.
1: Yeah, shoot. Anyway, uh, the other one, which is from TMC, uh, TMC TMZ, TMZ, way, TMZ is now coming out with Blu-ray. Did you know that?
0: TMZ? Yes. Just kidding. Okay.
1: No, I messed up. TCM. (laughs) TCM Vault Collection. I do like these TCM uh, uh, collector's editions. This one is Frank Capra, the early collection, which is uh, their way of saying Frank Capra, uh, the films we were able to get the rights for and package and uh, put into a DVD set we hope you'll buy. Uh, We have uh, Ladies of Leisure. We have uh, Rain or Shine, the Miracle Woman, Forbidden, and the only one that I think is even remotely worth it, the uh, Bitter Tea of General Yen. Now, the um, the Bitter Tea of General Yen uh, was from 1933, and it's a great film, and it's definitely the best film here. It's all about a it's about an American missionary who goes to Shanghai during the Chinese Civil War, and uh, that's a great film. The other ones I can kind of take or leave, but uh, the Bitter Tea is definitely good. So, Frank Capra, the early collection, is okay. The My Mitchell goodness, one that, that's is a heli- better. That,
0: that's like a helicopter. Huh? getting strafed Uh,
1: you Uh, know what actually i i i we we are within the flight path a little bit of uh, of burbank airport my goodness so maybe once a week i'll hear a plane
0: i I felt like i was in you know some kind of gangland warfare movie okay maybe carry
1: on colors cook colors (laughs) what happened to that film colors i like that film
0: uh, it basically it's it's a lesser version of uh, End of Watch, which you should go see because it's a good movie. Yes, wait. Yes. Start oh, talking. oh, yes. I'm sorry. Done. Oh, okay. Very good. Um, you know, we got a couple other films from Olive here, uh, also from the uh, the Paramount Library. These are older films. These are from uh, the wonderful, beloved period of the 40s and 50s. And uh, the first one is a Robert Wise film you may never have heard of. It's called Three Secrets, and um, it stars Eleanor Parker, Patricia Neal, and Ruth Roman. And this is from 1950, and it clearly is influenced by A Letter to Three Wives, the uh, Joseph Mankiewicz film that was just such a huge sensation uh, earlier. And the angle here is... um, you know, you're supposed to guess. If you have ever seen "Letter to Three Wives," you you're you know, the, the question is which one of their husbands is running away, um, and and they you know they all kind of have to reflect on their marriages and what did I do and could it be my husband and so forth. You know, which one of them is running away with this woman? Uh, in this case, a, a, a there's a plane crash, and uh, there's a little boy, a little adopted boy who's a survivor. And then we're what we're dealing with now is the three women who gave up children and uh, who may or may not be the mother of this child, the natural mother of the child. So it's an adoption thing as opposed to a you know, uh, an infidelity thing, but you, you, it sort of plays the same gimmick, it plays with the same ideas, and even though it's derivative in that respect, um, you know what, Robert Wise really makes it its own and does a great job with it, and it's a very, very nice Blu-ray transfer, very nice black and white, not really crisp black and white, but it's just kind of subtle, gentle, kind of mushy black and white, which has its place, uh, very nicely done. Uh, more along the crisp line is Letter from an Unknown Woman which uh, is directed by the great Max Ophels and it stars uh, the just divine Joan Fontaine and Louis Jourdain and uh, anything Joan Fontaine is in I just can't get enough of um, you know Max Ophels did uh, some incredible movies in French and never really like a lot of those European directors who came to the United States never really quite did as well here the studio system then as now just kind of somehow stifled a certain level of European creativity this is from 1948 and um, uh, you know if you've ever seen the, uh, the Ophels' French stuff it always has that beautiful fluid camera work and it's just it's so so elegant and so just really beautifully choreographed uh, this one has a little bit of that not, probably not enough but the great cast makes up for it so we, uh, it takes place around turn of the century Vienna and uh, Louis Jordan is uh, you know kind of one of those uh, very elegant um, European gentlemen and uh, he receives this mysterious letter and, um, the you know, Joan Fontaine is presumably the author of the letter, and um, it's, you know, it's an, it's an interesting way, in, it's an interesting look at the way that, I guess, in the, we, we, we've lost touch with how the written letter can actually change lives, you know, in the era of texting and tweeting and emails and Facebook— People don't write long-form People letters anymore. People don't write long-form letters anymore. So it's nice to sort of go back to an era when just a simple written letter could have this cataclysmic effect on lives and really change things. Um, it's really interesting. It's a very, very smart script and beautifully acted and, uh, you know, really nice. And uh, a screenplay by, uh, this is worth noting, Howard, Howard Koch, the father of Hawk Koch, who is now the new president of the Academy. What? There you go, right? Six degrees.
1: All right, Wade, uh, we have two Blu-rays uh, here for y'alls. One is a film that you should already own on Blu-ray. In fact, Wade, what you don't realize is you're giving me this one. Okay. Yay. <laughs> the other one is Enemy Mine. Now, Enemy Mine is a uh, – the film kind of got a lot of attention at the time. It was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Who went on to do, uh, you know, whatever uh, outbreak and uh, perfect storm and? Uh, oh, this Boat, was his big, sci- his
0: big sci-fi thing after yes. a never-ending story. Yeah. It's
1: basically a two-hander with um, Dennis Quaid and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. playing. Um, uh, they are uh, uh, Dennis Quaid is an, is a is an Earthling. Lou Gossett it's, is an it's alien. He-
0: it's hell in the Pacific in space. They are stuck in their enemies. Say that. It's hell in the Pacific in space. Except instead of an American guy and a Japanese soldier, it's a guy and an alien and it's Lou Gossett in alien yes. makeup. That's all it is. It's hell in the Pacific. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're stranded on a, not in an island, they're stranded on a planet. But you, it's the same deal.
1: What it's really like is like every tenth episode of Star Trek the Next Generation. Yep. We're like there's an Ameri- there's a, there's an Earthling and there's an alien and they're supposed to hate each other but they're stuck on a planet together and they have to get work together to survive and that's an enemy mind
0: unless Spock tries to t- says things like yes yes <laughs> he remembers Doctor he remembers he remembers
1: <laughs> anyway not that this is a bad film and again it, it got a bunch of attention at the time some people found it kind of um, a little sentimental you know can't we all get along kind of a thing. And don't think there's, there, it's a coincidence that to play the alien, they hired an African-American actor. And, of course, Dennis Quaid is a white actor. Not a coincidence there. But still, uh, it got a lot of attention at the time. People kind of liked it. There is an isolated score track. Uh, the score was written by Marie Jarre, who, of course, Wade loves me. I, I love all of Jarre's orchestral stuff. I do not like any of Jarre's uh, electronic stuff. Oh, I do. That's uh, lame.
0: Yeah. You, the Witness? You like Witness? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I do like Witness.
1: Okay, anyway, that's the my mind. Uh, now, uh, Princess Bride, which has been out uh, 17,000 freaking times on uh, Blu ray, DVD, Laserdisc, VHS, A track, cassette, record, whatever, kinescope. This thing's been out 1,000 times. It is finally out again, 25th uh, anniversary edition. Um, there is an all new featurette here where they bring back Rob, uh, Rob Weiner, Rob Reiner, uh, Robin Wright, and Carrie Elways, and there's new interviews with the cast that's kind of cool because it's been 25 years and they can look back on it. Uh, the other stuff is old, the audio commentary by William Goldman, the other commentary by Rob Reiner, uh, a bunch of the other featurettes. I love this film It's one of the great modern comedies. It's just a wonderful, terrific, great script based on uh, Goldman's own novel. And this was part of Rob Reiner's amazing winning streak back in the, uh, you know, kind of the 80s slash, pretty much the 80s slash 90s, I guess. And now, of course, he's Rob Reiner. By the way, uh, anyway, uh, I love Princess Bride. I love this movie to death. Uh, if you already own the previous uh, Blu-rays, don't feel obligated to buy this one. If you don't have any Princess Bride Blu-ray, and you should, you might as well get this one. Yeah. By the way, speaking of uh, Rob Reiner and winning streaks... I am very happy. Now, we haven't gotten the invite to this yet, but I'm very happy that Flight yes. is getting raves. Oh, is it really? It is. Seriously? Yes. They really? Say, they, yes. They say... You know, now, Robert Zemeckis, who has not done a live-action film since like the 1940s or something, when he's doing his <laughs> stupid motion capture crap, he's finally doing another live-action film. Good. And, of course, Denzel Washington, who's like my all-time favorite. I love Denzel. Yeah. Anything he's done, I'll, just, I'll see. I'll love. I'm so surprised that this thing is getting raves. I, I'm and it's shocked. getting raised because it's supposedly it's supposedly a character piece. Good, you know it's not like Love there's it. a thrilling thing at the beginning. I yeah. guess I hear there's like a thrilling plane thing at the beginning. Yeah, but the rest is all about the aftermath of the plane event, whatever it is, in the life of this character. All so right, so it's a character piece. Uh, it's Zemeckis back in hopefully back in in prime form. So I'm just saying.
0: All right, looking forward
1: to it. Feeling good about it. Hope it's cool. good, Denzel.
0: All right, we got some westerns here, real quick, before we get into new movies. Uh, this is a uh, this is a bit of a curiosity, frankly, from uh, uh, like 1970, 71, something like that. Uh, it's called Something Big. This is sort of the end of the western era. Westerns were really on their last legs here, kind of in the in the la- it, all following a little bit on the coattails of uh, True Grit. And uh, this is Dean Martin and Brian Keith, of all people. And uh, Dean Martin is getting a little bit old in the tooth here, but he's he just wants to be a badass and do some high-strung, crazy stuff. And Brian Keith is a bit along for the ride. Uh, it's really dated. i got to tell you, this thing is, just feels incredibly dated. Um, and it's not, uh, you know, Andrew McLaughlin, who had done a lot of this pretty decent films prior to this, kind of doesn't, he walks through it. It's got a Burt Bacharach song, you know, Hal David, Burt Bacharach. Song like every movie around this time did. Uh, you know, it's just, eh, it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird, strange, dated oddity. Um, you may have an interest in these next four films. These are uh, also uh, Olive releases on Blu ray from the Paramount Library. Uh, they are part of the Three Musketeers series. The You know, Musketeers spell like mesquite. Got it. It's like an old uh, Western variation on The Three Musketeers. These films were part of a massive uh, serial output from RK, RK Radio at the time, which was, there were something like 51 films done in, a, in about a seven-year span in the late 30s, early 40s, and they switched up actors a lot, and uh, there's a handful of these that were directed by George Sherman and which starred as the three Mesquite Ears, uh, John Wayne, Ray Corrigan, and Max Terhoon. And uh, four of these are now out from Olive. They include three Texas Steers. The Night Riders, Overland Stage Raiders and Red River Range and you can pretty much guess what all these movies are. They're just they're just classic uh, you know the scripts were written in probably 4 days. They shot the thing maybe in 7 days and they cranked it around and then did another one. I mean, these things are made so quickly, and uh, this is how John Wayne started his career. So these are not good movies. These are really boilerplate, very bare bones, basic, uh, you know, westerns about you know rustlers and and uh, outlaws and all that kind of crap. And it's the same kind of junk over and over and over. It's a western variation on the Three Musketeers. But um, the only interesting thing here is historically because this is what John Wayne segued out of when he became a star, stagecoach in 1939, which was you know he still made a lot of these movies after that. But by kind of you know the mid to late 40s he was getting his shot at doing much much bigger things and by the 50s he was the biggest star in the world so you know it's interesting to see the uh the embryonic john wayne in these movies they're not good movies but they're interesting films and historically significant
1: well stagecoach i think is the one where you're like remember his entrance in stagecoach he's got that like like hero shot he's like on that ridge whatever it is and he's like it's like a head-to-toe shot and it's john wayne yeah totally and that was like the beginning of john wayne as john wayne because John Wayne's cool, and he's John Wayne. He's the man. He's the John Wayneist. He's, you know what, of all the people, of all the actors named John Wayne,
0: he's your favorite. Uh, We're going to get into some new movies here. Got a trio from Disney, real quickly. These are, uh, you know, I can recommend two of them. Not so cool on the other one. Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. I know everyone seems to think this is the Madagascar film that got it right. I got to tell you, I just don't find the characters enduring uh, or endearing. I'm not, I I like the penguins, but everything else just is a real stretch for me. Uh, So I'm not a fan of the whole Madagascar thing, but, uh, you know, if there is one that you're going to get, I guess, according. According to the people who aren't as jaded as I am, this one is the one. Uh, we got here a Blu-ray 3D set, which also includes a non-3D Blu-ray and a DVD and a digital copy. Uh, and it has uh, a quote on it. Mark, would you do me the honor of reading the quote from the cover of the box?
1: Oh, it's not Pete Hammond, is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> should, we, should we tell our Pete Hammond story?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Why not? Why we... not? Why not? He's a colleague, but you know he's not exactly our best friend. So we can uh, we can we can make a mockery of this. Yeah, so, hilarious. Easily the best one yet, says Pete Hammond of Box Office Magazine. So should I tell my Pete Hammond story? Go ahead, tell the Pete Hammond story.
1: <laughs> All right. So uh, Friday night, I went to a special screening of Cloud Atlas. <laughs> mm-hmm. My review is now. Uh, you can see my review on BoxOffice.com. Read that. Anyway, after the movie, there was a Q and A with uh, uh, the Wachowski siblings. Uh, Grant Hill, the producer, uh, David Mitchell, the guy who wrote the original book, and Tom Tickver, and I'm a huge fan of Tom Tickver. I think the guy's is incredibly. We talented. love Tom Tickver. Um, anyway, so Pete Hammond, who does a, who moderates a lot of these events, and no one's quite sure how or why he does. I think what happens is because he
0: gets quoted on the cover of Madagascar Three. Because
1: he gets quoted a lot, and that gets his name out. And even though even though in some of these events he screws up, somehow. He gets hired on the strength of the fact that he was, he he's done a lot of them, you know. You do enough of them, and the filmmakers don't care if, if yeah. something bad happens because they, they, a car picks them up, takes them to the theater. Mm-hmm. They do the Q and A for fifteen minutes. Who knows what happens? And the car takes them away, and that's there you it. Go. However, so Hammond, and he's done this before. He was introducing <laughs> the uh, the uh, participants oh, in the Q and A. He says, "Here is Grant Hill." Here's David uh, Mitchell, wrote the original book. Here's uh, here's Lana and uh, Andy Wachowski. and also finally, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Tom Ticker. And I'm like, did he just say Tom Ticker? Did he literally, instead of saying Tom Ticker, you know, the guy is maybe not American, and that's yeah. okay. Did he just call him Tom Ticker? He you sure know what? Did. He sure did. He called him Tom Ticker. And so Tom Ticker walked out. He probably didn't think he was referring to him because his name's not Tom Ticker, but he walked out anyway, and uh, they went on and the did best. the, uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, Pete, who's not paying attention half the time, and when the question's over, he throws up some other softball question. Mm-hmm. He just kept going. Anyway, so I had the honor of being in the same room with Tom Ticker.
0: Now, Mark, yeah. if, if I were to say to you that there's a movie, there is a movie out there that includes in its cast Shelley Winters, Red Buttons, Mickey Rooney, and Helen Reddy, what would you say?
1: I, I would think it would be like airplane or, um, or airport or one I mean, of those like uh, you know Erwin D- D- Allen disaster films.
0: Nope, we are talking about the one, the only Pete's Dragon. That's was right. That lame.
1: <laughs> Well, you
0: come know, on. you know what, Pete's Dragon. Uh, I, I don't. I, I actually have a fondness for Pete's Dragon because it was one of the first Disney films that I actually saw as a kid. So um, it was also
1: course, it, was, it was live action slash it, animated, yeah, which is kind of was a, a bit of a deal, I guess. Yeah, at the it was.
0: Time. And it's it's one of those films that kind of comes in the uh, it, you know after the Disney magic was sort of when Disney was sort of. I mean, I, Walt may already have died by this point, so it's sort of it feels like Disney on fumes uh, a little bit but you know what um, it's uh, it's it's fine it's uh, you know made the same year as Star Wars and obviously completely overshadowed by that Disney died in what 74 73 something like that
1: Uh, Walt Disney let me take a guess
0: So I mean anyway this is this is you know this was I think this may have been put into production when 66. he was 66 66 gee whiz so anyway um, I don't so this clearly wow gosh 66 that you know it's early. funny
1: it's hard to believe that there actually was a Walt Disney
0: he died it, only two years after Martin Mary Poppins that's amazing well well Well, the thing with Pete's Hmm. Dragon
1: is that, you know, Pete's Dragon was trying to kind of replicate the look, feel, success, fun, music, animation, live action of Mary Poppins. And it just didn't do it.
0: Well... Well, anyway, it's, it's fine. I, I certainly enjoy it, and it, I'm, I'm nostalgic for it. Uh, the real uh, prince of all of these films is The Great Mouse Detective, which is on Blu-ray and DVD combo. Um, the Great Mouse Detective is just terrific. You know, it, of course, is the uh, the mouse version of Sherlock Holmes, and uh, it's just a joy. It's an absolute delight and a joy, and uh, I, I just can't get enough of this film. I, uh, I've watched it. I've seen this projected. I've seen it on DVD. Uh, I've seen it on Blu-ray, and it's, uh, it's great in every single case the Blu-ray is beautiful Disney just does these so so well and um, you know uh, get it for the kids it's got a Blu-ray and a DVD you you get the double thing here you can play it in the car you can play it at home you can watch it the kids can watch it it's just great so The Great Mouse Detective really one of the uh, one of of the just great Disney animated films of all time and so so underrated I just think that's so tragic so anyway definitely get that Pete's Dragon kind of iffy Madagascar I guess whatever
1: Wade, uh, Buster Keaton, uh, Keno does a great job with some of this uh, Buster Keaton stuff. Uh, I Their uh, Blu-ray of The General is just fantastic. And now we have on Blu-ray and DVD, we have the film that uh, I think was released directly before The General. Maybe not directly before, but it was definitely before The General. Uh, the Navigator. I think The Navigator is sort of best described as like Keaton's modern times because I think the theme of the film... Is kind of about you know man versus you know yeah. machine modernization. It takes place on a on a on a on a uh,
0: a lot of the a, same anxieties. A lot
1: of the same anxieties. It yeah. takes, takes place on a, on on a, on a steamship where he's kind of all alone with this woman, and they have to kind of have to navigate around the steamship. And uh, it's great stuff. It's really it's got a lot of great stunts. And as you know, Buster Keaton either directed or co-directed a lot of his own films because he was the one who kind of arranged and, of course, performed all the stunts. So I think The Navigator is a great film. It is not as perfect as The General, but still a good film. Um, this thing looks great. It was mastered in HD from a 35-millimeter negative uh, that it looks like is in very good condition. Um, there's a featurette. There is an audio commentary by a couple silent film historians that's very good photo gallery who cares about that but the film itself The Navigator is just terrific again not as good as the general but historically almost as important groovy that's what I say love Wade. it
0: love it no you don't I'm looking forward you to that
1: you hate it you hate everything Buster Keaton
0: got a couple of got a couple of movies here about uh, disconnected parents and children um, one uh, absolutely terrible and the other one uh, disappointingly acceptable I guess the uh, disappointingly acceptable one is Everybody's Fine with uh, Drew Barrymore, Kate Beckinsale, and Sam Rockwell as the children of Robert De Niro. This is uh, an American remake of a Giuseppe Tornatore film uh, that was really, really good in Italian. And uh, Kirk Jones doesn't do a very good American job, even with this incredible cast. Um, Basically, it's about, you know, Robert De Niro plays a a dad with these three grown children. And uh, he kind of goes on a road trip around the country to, uh, you know, kind of fix his relationship with them. And uh, the the, the Italian film is very, very touching. This one is just, I don't know, it just feels... It feels cloying. It feels forced. It's, uh, maybe the fact that it has big stars in it is part of the problem, but it just it kind of feels crushed under the weight of the fact that you have all of these big star, big studio, melodramatic expectations. It just uh, it kind of lumbers along. It's built with the, the, the parts don't move nicely. It's not well greased. It's not well oiled. How many other analogies can I come up with? Uh, just, six. It's not, come it's up not, with six
1: more now. Go. It's not six well more. lubricated. That's only got five more.
0: Uh, the one that's even worse, that's on Blu ray, and uh, the one that's even worse also on Blu ray here is uh, Adam Sandberg, uh, or, sorry, Adam Sandler and Andy Sandberg in That's My Boy. Um, this is a desperate, horrible chan- uh, attempt by Adam Sandler to maintain his uh, kind of overgrown child image, even though he's now in his 40s. So he tries he's trying to basically piggyback on Andy Sandberg's you know popularity by uh, putting him in his movie and making Andy Samberg basically be the straight man which is unfortunate cuz Andy Samberg can be very funny i don't think he's a movie star per se but he is sort of like a lot of people when he was you know on SNL a lot of people were declaring him the new adam sandler so obviously there's i'm not a...
1: sure that's a compliment
0: yeah i'm not sure either it's uh, so obviously there's a calculation here adam sandler just does not want to grow up and make grown up movies he's a very capable actor i mean he can do real movies he can do real performances he's done them you know, they, uh,
1: they they try to make him a star too fast with yeah, that.
0: Uh, but I mean, he's done terrible movie. He's done Rain Over Me, and he's done. Uh the, the oh, oh Sandler Sandler oh Sandler
1: um, you done know
0: the P T Anderson film I, uh,
1: yeah he has to
0: be a little more adventurous in his choices he just he doesn't want to grow up on screen he wants to keep making these adolescent comedies and it just doesn't work anyway basically the idea here is that uh, Andy Samberg is is embarrassed uh, regarding who his dad is you know Adam Sandler's famous for being this student who got his teacher pregnant and there's all of this kind of white trash stuff that goes along with it so Andy sandberg has gone a long way in his life to try and force and independent identity and of course as he's getting married his you know ridiculous embarrassing juvenile famous for being a, you know a molested uh, student dad shows up and just screws up his life all over again and hijinks ensue not such a great movie so anyway if, you know rent these if you have to but uh, otherwise I would say skip
1: Wade uh, What do we got We have Wade My favorite film of the year so far Is on Blu-ray And if you don't buy it now Then uh, you're all going to be uh, uh, Laser blasted by An alien from the planet uh, Vartron And you don't want to be Laser blasted By an alien from the planet Vartron No definitely not So you'd better Go ahead and buy this Blu-ray Because it is my Favorite film of the year so far Okay Moonrise Kingdom Just saying Anyway, this is Wes Anderson. Here's the thing. This is Wes Anderson not only at his most Wes anderson Mm -hmm. but it is telling a story that completely lends itself to everything Wes Anderson is.
0: I think it's the best film Wes Anderson has done since Rushmore.
1: It's just great. I really
0: do. I think it's – and I have not been a fan of his films in recent years, but I I love this film. I think it's absolutely great. One of the best films of the year. It's going to get a heap of Oscar nominations, and uh, it's it's probably, along with uh, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, the most successful film – of the summer, by the way, you realize that. Those two films in terms of dollar in, dollar out, though they beat all the blockbusters.
1: Yeah, but this didn't make a billion dollars like the Avengers. Yeah. So, so it's what? lame. So what it's obviously a failure. hooey <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, uh, this film, it's about two twelve year olds who fall in love and it, you know it is just as precious and just as on its on its own other wavelength as any other Anderson film. But it works in this context because again when you are when you are experiencing first love, you are on a whole different planet. And that's what Anderson conveys here in a totally beguiling way. It was this movie just swept me away. It is exciting. It is nostalgic. It is beguiling. It is transporting. I loved it. Uh, it's got a great cast. Of Bruce Willis is in it. Francis McDormand, of course. Bill Murray's in it. The uh, Blu-ray looks great. Uh, there's a couple decent. Um, uh, featurettes in here uh, there's a set tour with Bill Murray which is the best thing in it I wish there was an audio commentary but there is not but anyway who cares because you need to buy Moonrise Kingdom because it's awesome sweet can I say it like that again
0: yeah do it awesome nice alright and we got some uh, nonfiction stuff to blow through uh, first off I, for all of you lovers out there you know who you are you are people who, who like um, who like to get naked uh, that's and and, and I'm going to pretty much lay it on the line here. Uh, I would say that's a, that's a substantial majority of the human population. We we have some. We're going to be grown ups here. We have from True Mind because True Mind releases stuff that is you know this is not like pornography. We don't talk about pornography on this show. This is for people who want to Ooh, en- good enhance-
1: idea for another podcast. Note to self: <laughs>
0: <who> want to <laughs>
1: digiporn.
0: This is for this is for people who want to enhance their relationships, their physical activity. Um, we got several titles here from. Uh, uh, the wonderful people at True Mind, and they are all part of uh, kind of the same series. One, uh, the Lover's Guide is uh, is all about uh, just you know learning how to understand your body better. And we've got the uh, The Lover's Guide, the original collection, which is a five disc set that includes uh, The Lover's Guide, The Lover's Guide Making Sex Even Better, The Lover's Guide Making Orgasms for Women, The Lover's Guide Better Orgasms for Men, and The Essential Lover's Wade, Guide.
1: Wait, wait, wait! Uh, you're getting uh, you're working blue here today. I don't like it. And then orgasms. And, and
0: then we also women. have, and then we also have uh, the Lovers Guide: The Essential Collection, not the original collection, the Essential Collection, uh, which includes uh, the Lovers Guide: Secrets of Sensational Sex, What Women Really Want, uh, Sex Play, uh, Sexual Positions, and Satisfaction Guaranteed. And okay. then there's a one-off.
1: Yeah, okay, so uh, hold your horses, tough guy. And there's a one-off what called else? Sexual Positions. Oh, okay, that's great.
0: And uh, all of these enable you to um, get a discount at loversguide.com. You can save, you know, ten dollars or twenty-five dollars, whatever it is. So, um, you know, I'm just saying this stuff's pretty explicit, and um, I'm I'm married, so it's okay. I, I didn't feel dirty watching any of this, but you know, um, I, it. Let me put it this Stop. way:
1: just this is, you know, what, whatever way you're going to put it, is not going to be pretty.
0: Okay, well then, then we'll just back off. But uh, honestly, you know what? I mean, I've seen some of this stuff where it's really salacious, and you almost, even if you're like married, and even if you feel like you know you're. It's okay. I I I'm not
1: you know what I'm saying. Not listening to wait, not listening to wait. Anyway, the World Series history of the Fall Classic. Smooth this along. Uh once again I am disappointed in the good people at A and E and Major League Baseball for uh uh releasing their product on DVD, not Blu-ray, but If you do have to get a DVD, this is a good one to get. The World Series History of the Fall Classic is great. There's like over 100 players and managers uh, that are uh, interviewed here. It is, of course, narrated by Bob Costas. Is this thing better than any random two episodes of Ken Burns' Baseball? Eh, Probably not. But uh, there's a lot of great video here. Obviously, the later years of the World Series are covered better because of television. early years of the World Series is really more about, you know, is really kind of... Great writing covered with stills and, you know, interviews as opposed to video, which you get in the later years of the World Series. So, you know, there is that, but there's nothing you can do about that. Um, otherwise, World Series, uh, History of the Fall Classic, you know, if you love baseball, and, and obviously we're, we're in the playoffs now, um, is uh, a good rental. If you can find a place uh, that will rent it. It's, I think it's like four hours long, but it is good. So check it out, you know, History of the Fall Classic.
0: Totally. Uh, the Olympics, of course, recently ended. And when, what?
1: I don't care about the Olympics. I don't. I never did. I don't know what you yeah. Okay, can, can, may, can, yeah. may, can I make a comment? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I was literally, and I'm not making this up, thinking this today. I don't care about sports. Okay. I, I love baseball. I know you do. I love baseball. In fact, you know, baseball's on right now mm-hmm. in a monitor that I can't see behind us yeah. while we record this. Sure. Don't know what's happening, but it is on. All of the sports, don't care. Okay. i I have come to that conclusion, I do not care okay, football, don't care all right basketball don't care, all right. tennis don't care golf, don't care, hockey don't care. maybe during the playoffs, I'll care about football and basketball, okay, otherwise, don't care, okay,
0: you know uh, you did hear that the uh the Detroit Lions hit a home run the other day, right what Thank
1: you. I had money on that game
0: <laughs> anyway the uh london twenty twelve Olympics. There we have some uh, some little ditties here. This one is the London 2012 uh, Olympics Games of the uh, 30th Olympiad two disc Blu-ray Collector's Edition, and this includes uh, far too little from the Olympics to be honest. It is uh, it's about four hours long. And even then, it just—it's not enough. It—it—it it, it, it just isn't enough. I mean, you—you you get some stuff on here from the swimmers, you know, you get, you get a little Mike, Michael Phelps action and some Allison Felix action from the, uh, the track events, and um, a little bit of uh, you know uh, Misty and Carrie, you know Misty Man and Carrie Walsh doing the volleyball thing. But ultimately, this thing just blows through all the stuff that we watched, and it's really um, you know Usain Bolt shows up in this like he did on Saturday Night Live the other night. Did you see that? No, Usain Bolt was on Saturday Night Live. I heard, did Dude see. cannot act. I'm glad he, well, he can run.
1: He, he's, he's like the other guy. Who's the, who's the swimmer? The hot swimmer everyone loves? Oh
0: yeah, Ryan Lochte. Yeah, he's the yeah. same thing. He's on this thing too. And then we also have uh, from the same series, Gymnastics Going for the Gold. Uh, these are all you know, NBC Sports is basically just kind of throwing these things together and this has a lot of clips from the uh, you know about about 70 or 80 minutes worth of uh, men's and women's gymnastics stuff it's all very highlight driven it's meant to just sort of sell these things to people who you know kind of want something on the shelf to relive the Olympics but honestly it's uh, you, you can't put every event out there but I kind of feel like something more substantial than just these highlight reels should be out there but you know there you go the uh, the gymnastics thing we got on DVD the uh, the more the more complete two disc set with the uh, the four hours of all the other stuff is on blu-ray very nicely done I mean they were brought cast in high def so you ought to get it in high def if you can but uh, again not just the highlight real action not great uh, from
1: 2004 Ella Enchanted is uh, now on Blu-ray slash DVD this is uh, Anne Hathaway early in her career this is a um,
0: she's going to be in Les Miserables she is mm-hmm.
1: she got married I me she can't marry me I know it's not fair uh, anyway, this is a it's kind of a fairy tale thing uh, about a uh, girl who was given a gift by her fairy godmother on the, on her birthday, and what happens with that, and it's really for little girls, and uh, you know it's completely fine. Effects are a bit cheesy, but that shouldn't really keep you from throwing your twelve year old daughter in front of it because I'm sure she'll have a great time. And uh, there you go, Ella Enchanted. Uh, there are a surprising number of. Uh, uh, Special features on this thing, considering the film is not exactly beloved. Um, There's a commentary by the uh, director and Anne Hathaway and Hugh Dancy, which is nice. There's a featurette on the uh, premiere and the uh, music. So, you know, there's definitely stuff going on here. Ella Enchanted. It's really for a very specific audience, of which I am not.
0: Oh, yes, it is. Absolutely. You know, uh, some television. Alcatraz, the complete series. You pick this up and you go, wow, a whole series on a Blu ray this kind of slim it must not have been much of a series and you're right it is not much of a series sorry jj yeah sorry jj this is one of those that just didn't fly you know jj kind of lays an egg every once in a while and look i mean he doesn't create these things he throws his name on them it's supposed to be like oh jj abrams it's gonna be like lost it's gonna be like uh, alias no they're not all like that um the obviously the name alcatraz carries a lot of weight and somebody like sam Neill. You know, it brings a lot of gravitas. But uh this thing didn't really work. The whole idea here is that something strange is going on and uh, w- with respect to these criminals who are coming back to Alcatraz and there's, there's – it's, it's not just a prison drama. It's supposed to have some kind of overarching, giant, more all-encompassing social mystery going on. So it's, kind of, it's sort of trying to impose the sensibility of Lost onto the, uh, the prison island of Alcatraz, you know. And it doesn't really work because Lost was lightning in a bottle. Not everything can be that. And they found that out with uh, the event remember the event sure I was like oh, what the hell is the event I've been watching for a season and everybody keeps saying I don't get it. it you know you can't pull that off every single time so that was sort of the problem here um, anyway get some special features some uh, extra scenes gag reel and some uh, you know uh, kind of EPK stuff but not not the uh, the greatest time for JJ's career
1: well well maybe on TV I mean you went, you know, he's got Star Trek coming out and yeah it'll be just fine Anyway, uh, the seventh season of Bones is out on a DVD. Oh, you know,
0: I'm so glad they did a Star Trek spinoff. I really am. I, I mean, I remember. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And it's weird they they, they made Bones into a woman played by uh, <laughs> whatever <her> name <laughs> Emily was. Deschanel. Emily Deschanel. Anyway, so this one is uh, in, this show took a while to find its legs and its audience, and now it, it that did, in, like, but it
0: really it finally caught on.
1: It seems like it finally, after like five seasons, it finally caught on, and you know, and you can thank Fox for sticking with it. A lot of networks wouldn't stick with a show that isn't gangbusters right out right off the bat. You know, here we've got you know, in the in the last season, uh uh Bones and the guy were gonna have a baby. They had slept together because they were grief stricken over when one of their colleagues died and now they can have a baby and so now oh, you got that whole thing going on. So now you got the seventh season, which is all about kind of the baby and you know, it's cute. It's uh, got some cute writing. It's a little bit, uh, it's not really my cup of tea, but people kind of like it. And I do like the fact that uh, Fox stuck with it. Decent special features on here, including a gag reel, some deleted scenes, uh, audio commentary on one of the episodes, Bones, the complete seventh season. Now, understand, too, this is like a full price DVD, a uh, Blu-ray, a full price Blu-ray, but there's only 13 um, episodes this season. Yeah. So you're kind of paying just as much money for less episodes in a season. Which mm-hmm. I don't like yeah. I'm just putting it out there I hear you But if you do love your bones You'll just have to buy it anyway
0: um, And they uh, know that You know what I'm a doctor Jim Not a TV actor uh, the uh, John Grisham's The Firm which was a you know um, I didn't like the movie the uh, Sidney Pollack directed Tom Cruise film didn't like it mainly because Dave Grusin wrote such a horrendous score I couldn't even focus on the movie I just all I heard was was you know the plinkety piano when people are running for their lives and it just it was so distracting but anyway here many many years later they've decided that The Firm must be so immensely and enduringly popular that if we cast Josh Lucas in a TV series based on the John Grisham's The Firm uh, that must be successful you know and that,
1: gonna, you know what's not going to happen? What's not going to happen? That.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why the complete series is now on this very, very thin DVD set. Uh, it just didn't fly. And they marketed the hell out of this thing. They really did. It was just nonstop advertising over and over and over. And uh, then it just died on the vine. Uh, Josh Lucas is a terrific actor. I gotta say, I think he's, I think he's a really, really fine actor. But it, uh, the, the, the whole concept here, uh, you know, of a guy trying to, uh, you know, coming out of witness protection and trying to uh, bring down an evil law firm—it's just—it's not TV material. It just doesn't—it it didn't feel like something you want to watch week in and week out. And I'm kind of surprised they never figured that out. But that being said, still a lot of uh, very, very good performances here if you can kind of get past the fact that the premise doesn't work. Um and um, you know, it uh, might be worth uh, a a rental if you particularly like Josh Lucas. I know a lot of people do.
1: I like him. I think uh, he's fine. Uh, I don't think he's a great actor by any uh, stretch yeah. of the imagination. But yeah, he's fine.
0: And then also Mad Men season five. You know, what can you say about Mad Men that hasn't been already said a thousand times? Uh, the uh, this is the the season that uh, almost didn't happen. By the way. Uh, You know, this is the uh, the season where they just they hit the wall, and there was this big standoff with the uh, with the network, and they wanted to have characters cut, and uh, anyway, finally, the uh, you know they they reached agreement, and Mad Men came back on, and it's still a really sharp show. I'm not sure that after four seasons that the fifth season really does much that uh, hasn't been done better previously, but you know what? It's a good cast, it's a good concept, and uh, they certainly do their level best to uh, to keep it interesting. So it is it is a particularly well Shot show, I should say, so uh, very, very high recommendation for the way that this thing has been transferred. It really really does uh, does right by the, the look, the really that whole cool uh, you know 60s vibe that they give the whole thing. and uh, it, uh, it is coming back for season six in spring of next year. So this is the new thing, right, with, the, with these shows. Like, for example, Louis C.K.'s show, Louis, it's on indefinite hiatus now, probably not back till 2014. You heard this? No. Yeah, like he, he wants to just kind of take a, take a break. I guess he's burning out. So it's like... Well, 20- he does everything. Well, it's like 2014, you know, that he'll come back with another series, I think is what they're saying about this. So this is sort of... This all started with HBO, right, with The Sopranos and Six Feet Under. We do the seasons whenever we get around to it, and you just have to wait for it, which is kind of what they used to do in the UK, you know? It wasn't like every September a new season, and then we do reruns for the summer starting in June, and then we start over in September. Everybody has kind of gotten away from that rigid schedule. So, yeah, Mad Men will be back with season six in spring of next year. So... We're good. For now, you got season five on Blu-ray. Watch it.
1: Oh, Wade, on um, DVD, not Blu-ray, we have uh, Touch, season one. Now, of course, uh, Kiefer Sutherland has been very good to Fox and vice versa. And Sutherland finally came back to Fox in this show, which was totally, uh, very heavily hyped, just like uh, Wade was saying with the other show. And uh, it's kind of this uh, weird show about uh, Sutherland as a single father and... He's got a son who has this weird gift where he can, like, connect... He can find, like, the hidden pattern in numbers, and that helps him, like, solve things and helps him uh, get in touch with people in a special way. And uh, the show... I don't know if the show ever really super-duper took off, but I guess Fox believes in it enough that they have greenlit another season, although the season, uh, kind of like what we were saying before, this season will not start until January. But until then, we have a Touch Season 1, and this is on... Um, we have the DVD, although I believe it is also on Blu-ray. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a very, uh, it, the show's got a certain kind of uh, ephemeral quality to it. It's a drama, but there's a lot of uh, kind of otherworldly imagery and music and stuff going on there. That's Sweet. not like a typical, you know, super exciting show. Awesome. Like 24 was. So there's Touch. Um, now, this was done by the guy who created Heroes. So, you know, uh, there's yes. something going on there. Now, what you don't know is with, ongoing as Touch enters its second season, are you going to get the first season of Touch, which was like – remember like the first season of Heroes? Yeah. It was great. Everyone yeah. was talking about it. Well, you, and then the second season of Heroes, I think died. Yeah. you Just you, died. You know
0: why. Because they fired all the writers. Uh, well, look, one of, one of my very, very good friends from film school was one, of the, was one of the writers on that first season and was dismissed for the second season when they decided that this mix of hardcore TV people, of whom she was one, along with all the hardcore comic people, wasn't uh, working out quite so well. So they dismissed the TV people and turned the whole thing over to the comic writers. And that's why it, it, it just kind of fell off a cliff, because the comic writers don't have TV sensibilities. I mean, that, that's however awkward that was the marriage, that worked for the first season. You had TV people keeping the comic people, you know, in the world of adults, and you had the comic people keeping the TV people in the world of the characters. And it was a, it was a tightrope act, but it worked. And they they kind of screwed that.
1: Well, I'm not sure what'll happen. I'd be curious to see yeah. what if if, if Tim Crane, who created Heroes, whether, he's yeah. going to, whether he is in the process of making the same exact mistakes well, he made in the second season of Heroes.
0: We shall see. We shall see. Yes, Wade? Uh, no, a couple of docs here that I want to nail before we finish the show, but go, go ahead, uh, by Sykes all means. Psych
1: Season 6. Now, Psych yeah. Season 6, or USA, is sort of the poor man's showtime, which is the poor man's HBO when it comes to their original shows, which I, I guess, guess is the poor man's TBS, <laughs> when it comes through. I don't know a lot of poor man's uh, shows going on. Have
0: I talked about the Lover's Guide? Did I mention that to you? Because uh, there is, la, 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 there la, is some la, hot stuff la, la. in that. Okay, Sting. Get go get your get your you know your go, significant other and
1: go get your other on.
0: Get get it on. <laughs> Uh, anyway yes.
1: psych season six uh, four discs uh, about 16 episodes a couple of audio commentaries some deleted scenes this is one of those uh, you know good you know quirky wacky shows yes. about the two detectives and their their psychics and it's all about the it's all about the um, camaraderie between the two of them yeah and if you buy that I, I like the you, actors you buy the, the movie
0: I like the actors I find the show a little bit tedious at this point it is you
1: know what there's some decent uh, at least on this season there's some yeah. decent guest star shatners on it. Molly Ringwald's in it Carrie Elwes is in it Danny Glover's in it so you know those episodes were kind of worth it but otherwise I, I, I just think this thing is a little too like oh look at us we're being clever Not into that vibe.
0: Really quickly, want to nail a couple of uh, documentaries here at the end that are uh, important to talk about right now from First Run Features. One is Inventing Our Life, the Kibbutz Experiment. Um, You know, Israel's in the news a lot lately. And this is a nice kind of – it's it's worthwhile for people to sort of know a little bit about the history of Israel. And this sees the history of Israel through the movement of the Kibbutz, Kibbutz or Kibbutz. Um, you know, which is is basically a, a Jewish religious commune. And uh, it's fascinating to sort of see how the whole idea of kibbutzim evolved and how it was part of the founding of Israel. And it's 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 really a, a fascinating way of looking at the history of a country through a very particular social phenomenon. Uh, an excellent film by Toby Pearl Freelich. And really a very, very good doc. And then also uh, really worth watching is Pink Ribbons, Inc. Um, you know, this it's around this time of year that uh, everybody starts wanting you to make make those uh those donations for breast cancer and you feel right, good about doing it until you watch this film and you realize what an unbelievable uh, industry that has has become and that all these donations really do more for all the corporations that sponsor it than it does actually for breast cancer research. This is a really, really disturbing uh, look at the way that charities and charity in general can be sort of co-opted for commercial purposes. It's a, it's a very, very troubling film, a very informative film and really worth watching. So next time somebody kind of wants to to guilt you into making that donation when you run your credit card at the grocery store, uh, you might want to watch this film so that you know what's really happening to your money, because you might uh, you might feel a little bit exploited. So that's Pink Ribbons Inc., a uh, very, very good uh, documentary on DVD, along with Inventing Our Life, The Kibbutz Experiment, also on on DVD, both from First Run Features. All right, Mark, um, I'm on radio don't, on Friday. so Don't
1: ask me for a final thought. You were just about no, to no ask final me for thought. a final I'm, thought. I'm, you I'm, always I'm, do, and i got nothing to say.
0: I'm, I'm never whorish enough. I don't plug myself enough. But this Friday, which is uh, going to be the 19th, October 19th, at uh, noon time, right? Noon Pacific time. Tune into scpr.org, Southern California Public Radio, uh, scpr.org, unless you listen to 89.3 in Los Angeles at noon. I'm going to be on the radio with the good buddy Andy Klein. We're going to be talking about this week's movies, including Alex Cross.